Welcome to another message by Pastor Phil Pringle, leader of C3 Church. We are praying that this message will bless you and help you live your best life. For more information about Pastor Phil and C3, please visit myc3church.net. Psalm 91, uh, and this is a series we're doing on the Master Builder. This week's title is Your Dream Home. And uh, as I started to think about this and meditate on it, I, uh, I really uh, found myself thinking about something quite different than houses, but I'll get to that. Next week, we're talking about His House Matters, and that's going to be ostensibly our vision day uh, where we will plot our course for the future, but it's not about numbers and, and buildings and things like that. I used, we used to do that, but I found myself not really too fired up about just doing that. I wanted to set spiritual directions, and so we've been doing that in the last few years, and this is a really important service next uh, Sunday uh, for us to just find that needle point that's taking us forward, and I believe that if we address those areas of spiritual heat in our lives and keep that fire burning, we'll find ourselves achieving all those numbers without looking too hard at them. They become an add-on, a byproduct of keeping ourselves alive in the kingdom of God. Here this week, Psalm 91, this magnificent psalm, if you're going to remember any psalm, remember this one and Psalm 37 and Psalm 1 and Psalm 150, you know, like, well, there's quite a few, but this one is really, this is a really, really uh, good one and uh, very powerful He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, so let me just stop there for a second. He who dwells, the word there means to sit down or to abide, to make your home in the secret place of the Most High. Now that secret place, in my mind, is is adequately described in the New Testament. Paul in the book of Colossians and in Ephesians speaks about a mystery that has been hidden for ages, a secret that has even been hidden from angels and from humans on earth and finally has been revealed and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This secret place is none other than Jesus himself and he echoes the thought in John 15 where he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear a lot of fruit in life. And so the secret is discovering Jesus. And it's no longer any secret, but it's a secret for those who don't want to find it. And when you do find Jesus, it's like, this is what I've been looking for all my life. You don't know what you're looking for until you found it. And then you say, this is what I was looking for. And the second thing that I found myself saying when I met the Lord is I've come home. And in that word home, It included the church, it included Christ, it included that relationship with the Father. All of that felt like where I belong for eternity and where I'd been destined to belong in being created and coming into this world. That sense of being finding the round hole, the round peg, the the, the right fit of being at home and settling no matter what circumstances were around. And in my mind, that has always been my dream home, the place to dwell. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, when I think about Jesus today, I think of it 
kind of a different Jesus than the one we mostly think of. I would say that Christ is presented mostly in two perspectives. The first one is where he's wearing sandals, he's got a long robe, a beard, kind of longish hair, and he's putting his hand on people's heads, or he's teaching, or he's feeding multitudes. That's the kind of image we have of that. So when I say abiding in Jesus, most people think, oh, I'm sort of in this figure who's got a beard and sandals and wandering around doing that kind of stuff. Is that what abiding in him means? Well, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. That's part of what Jesus is and how he came to earth and looked like that. But then the second view we have of Jesus is like on a cross or, or that three-day period where he's coming out of the tomb and the stones rolled away and, and, that, and he still looks, you know, it's very human. And, and that's the other idea we have of Jesus. But actually, do you know what? I know he rose from dead. He's still alive. So what's he up to now? Who is he now? What's he doing right now? Is he a bearded, sandal, long robe figure walking around heaven sort of teaching? No. He, he is towering far, far above every principality, every authority, every power in the entire universe. He is the Lord of the universe. He is like risen way, way, way above. He is the King of heaven. He rules and reigns. He is the God Almighty. You're not abiding in just a sandal-footed figure. You're in the origins of the universe, the authority that began all things, the creator, the beginning and the ending, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the ultimate preeminent Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. You're abiding in Him. Whoa! I need zips or something because I'm going to explode. I mean, I'm going to blow up. I'm in him and he's in me. What kind of a person is walking around with that personality on the inside of them and you're inside of him? He who dwells, abides, not just visits. I mean, sometimes we, we treat church like our, our gym. Visit it and then glad we got over it. Go back next year. <laughs> or we treat it like a restaurant we visited, or like our parents-in-laws. Okay, moving on. And we visit. We don't really stay there. There's a few places in our life that we're like that. But, you know, it's, that's not Jesus. You abide in Jesus. You remain in Christ. And as long as you remain in Christ... You're going to find all the benefits of Psalm 91 start to come to pass in your world. And let me read some of these. He says, I, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. And the way that you get to abide is how you confess with your mouth. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. That's the appropriation manner of the New Testament. You confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, temptations and the traps that have been set for you, you'll be delivered from them and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth and shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. 
Instead of lying awake at night, nervous about what's going to happen with your mortgage, what's going to happen with your family or your marriage or your relationships, abiding in Christ, in His power, can calm us so we're not sleepless in the nights. Nor of the arrow that flies by day. You won't be afraid of those things that shoot at you during the days at work and from your boss or from your employees or from your fellows. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Those things that are creeping up on you that you don't know how they got there. You're nervous about the things you don't even know about. Nor of destruction that wastes, lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you will look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. You abide in Christ. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Talking about you being victorious over the devil in your life. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. What a beautiful, beautiful sentence that is. He loves me. I'm going to set him free. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. It doesn't say you're not going to have trouble. I'll be with you in the middle of it. It doesn't say you won't find yourself in a fiery furnace. But I'll be walking in the furnace with you. And you will come out of it unscathed. I will deliver him and honor him. With a long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I believe that if you're in Christ, you're in all of that zone. And even when it's not that, he's going to be there with you to deliver you out of it. I think sometimes we get a little uh, taken up with the idea of getting our dream home even of getting a home here in Sydney. For a lot of people, that's a daunting prospect. But I've seen so many young couples recently purchase homes right here in the middle of a time where people think it's impossible, but it's not impossible. Go ahead, buy a house. I know you think, what? I haven't even got it. Just think about it. I said that once and Mark Kelsey got all fired up. Went home, said to his wife, we're gonna go buy a house. His wife said, I love it when you talk dirty. <laughs> talk tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When we arrived in Sydney in 1980, the median house price was $68,650. I know that because I looked it up on Google found a chart that gave all the median house prices in Sydney for the last, whatever, 40 years. This last week, the, the research company SQM said the asking price for detached houses topped 1 million this week. Right now, it's gone from 68,000 to 1 million in 35 years. <clears throat> they say that house, houses double every seven years in value. I couldn't believe that, but then I did the figures and it's true in Sydney. Incredible, even with the big dips and troughs, and, but the basic trend is over that period of time. So even now, people thinking, wow, a million dollars, for us, 
20,000 when we got here was just out of our, way out of our league. We'd bought houses for 22,000 in New Zealand. And uh, <laughs> then we came here and, and it's like, you're kidding. What are we buying? The Taj Mahal. It's like, it was, seemed so way out of our scope. But then we said, let's just do it. And we went for it. And we found ourselves being able to do it. But I found sometimes people are not prepared to buy what I'd call, when they're trying to get the house of their dreams, they don't settle for the house of their means. And if you could just have a go at getting into it like that, then you might, you might find yourself in a one-bedroom unit under the basement of a unit block or whatever, but you're in. And then you just get into this role where it successively gets better. I know couples who were believing for their dream home straight away and still haven't got one. This is like 35 years ago. But maybe if we just went for the house of our means instead of the house of our dreams, we could get ourselves going and understand that dreams take a long time to come to pass. Impatience robs us of inheritance. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So I just thought I'd do a little history of where we'd lived. I think we've lived in a little over 30 homes in the 35 years that Chris and I have been married. But I'll give you some of them uh, <clears throat> that we've lived in. The first one was at 125 Rugby Street in Christchurch, New Zealand. That's, we got saved when we were living in this shed down the back of a house. It wasn't a part of the house. It wasn't even a granny flat. It was, a sh- it was the shed, the tool shed that we'd made into a bedroom. And we lived down there. We got saved, we moved out of that and moved into 428 Oxford Terrace. And we saw almost around about 1,000 people receive Christ in that home during the Jesus Revolution days over a 12-month period. It was unbelievable, the things that happened in there. It was a big six-bedroom house, but we had people everywhere in the house all the time. No money, nothing. All the clothes were being shared. It was sort of like a crossover commune to... Christ commune or something, and, uh, and we're trying to help people cold turkey it off, dope and all kinds of things. But then uh, Chris got pregnant, and so we needed to move out of that sort of environment to a little house. So one way to just kill a revival, amen, get pregnant. And uh, <clears throat> no, the revival kept going. We just had to uh, stay, you know, involved, and from a distance, I was... Uh, then we moved to a place in 94A Paparoa Street. I can remember all these addresses. I don't know why. It's a crazy little oddity about me. You've got them too. And uh, so I, uh, I, you know, was, this house was a hallway that this member of the church had turned into a house or a unit. Uh, okay, a hallway. And so, so you walk from the bedroom straight down and there was the kitchen and then you kept walking and there was the living room. That was sort of it. And there's a little other room out there that we put the baby in, uh, which was Rebecca. And uh, I was the follow-up uh, person for the church, trying to follow up all the people who are making decisions and ringing up, getting abused by parents. I'd rather have my kids taking drugs than being out of that rotten church. You know, like this. And I'm like, wow, I was in the deep end. And the uh, pastor said, you can do it. And uh, <clears throat> I've generally employed that philosophy ever since, uh, that... You can do it. And uh, so we found ourselves wrestling with people, trying to get them to keep following Jesus and all that in that little 
house. Then we moved from there to 24 Sherborne Street. And this is a, this is a, a detached house. It was a, our first real home for $21,000 if they'd leave the fridge. And they did. So we said, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> and had a little grounds around. It was beautiful. Uh, we moved in. And at 4.30 the next morning, we were awoken. The whole house was shaking. And there, were, there was a stop sign outside our house. And this was the road, apparently, that we hadn't been aware of, that all the sheep trucks use in the morning, taking their going to get sheep and bringing them back to the abattoirs. And so you'd hear the brakes on these 18-wheeler trucks outside. And as they were braking, the whole ground would shake as they came to the stop sign. And we were in bed going, what is going on? We realized why the real estate agent showed us that at four o'clock in the morning uh, because that's when they didn't come past there. But we couldn't even hear each other talk in the front room. We had to move everybody down the, the back room. Then we started a church in Littleton and we were able to rent a tiny house for, I think it was $9 a week. Uh, it was quite small. Uh, it took five steps to get from the front back door to the front door. It was on a very steep piece of hill uh, and the sun rarely got to see it. For about one month in summer, we, we managed to get the sun because it just went around the back trying to get over the hill, but it never quite made it. So we're in this damp, you know, kind of uh, slimy kind of feeling most of the time. But, you know, it was good. We were loving it because we are building the church. We didn't really care. And, uh, and it, had, it had a very steep uh, uh, piece of land either side, and we were on the ledge that they'd cut in. Because all of Littleton is like this, just this big sort of wall of a volcano or something. And, uh, and so we're, we're there, and uh, the grass is growing, and I used a fly mow. You know the fly mows, which don't have wheels, they just sort of hover and cut grass? Well, I was using that with a piece of string, swinging it down the hill, uh, letting the string out, and it gradually got to, until then I slipped one day and went under the fly mow. Luckily, I had boots on, so I kept my toes, but I would ding, 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 ding on my boots, and I thought, this is kind of dangerous. Uh, so I decided I'd buy a sheep, and uh, <laughs> I bought a sheep, and, uh, and he uh, tethered him, you know, so he wouldn't wander off, and he's walking up and down, and uh, it was going great until one morning, I went out there, and here he was. Uh, he sort of hung himself. It was uh, unfortunate, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was a bit of a disaster. So anyway, we took my dear old sheep, uh, you know, I loved, and uh, we gave him a little burial service up the back, and uh, veggies were incredible from then on under that garden. And uh, so I thought, well, a goat won't do that. So I bought a goat, and uh, the goat was, uh, he didn't, you know, he, but he was terrible. He, I'd go near him, he'd go, and he'd come after me, head down. I'd, I'd go, uh, uh, to try and get, he was, he, he was doing the work of a lawnmower. He was doing great, and, but I need to get him up the back. And so I finally got a hold of his horns, and to my surprise, they were warm. I don't know if you've ever helped, felt the horns of a, of a goat, but they're warm. Useless little piece of trivia for you there. And took, took him up the back, you know, kind of, come on. He's going like, you know, and I, I didn't know how to become a friend with a goat. I put him up there uh, to, next to our apple tree, and he started doing his thing. But I came out in the morning, he'd climbed the apple tree. <laughs> he was up the tree. 
how does a goat get up a tree? I've got no idea. He, he, he's up there, and so anyway, I didn't know how I was going to get him out. Anyway, that was, yeah, that was uh, Littleton, and then we went into Foster Terrace in Littleton. We built the, the cheapest house we could possibly find on some leasehold land, and it was like a um, pole house. That was the best value we could see. It was about $22,000 to put this thing up, and, and, but we were right up the top on, a, on the hill, and it would catch the wind underneath because it was on poles and it just rock. It would sort of sway in the night. We'd all run out of the house at night waiting for it to fall off the hill. Uh, we got an engineer there and he braced it up a little and made it a bit better. And, and then we moved to Sydney and came here. We lived in a little fibro house uh, in Narrabeen for about a year. And then we moved around to Ingleside rented a house there, and then we found a house in Eleanor and went ahead and purchased uh, that house, stayed there for 14 years, then moved to another house in Bayview, stayed there for 14 years, and then moved to the one we got now. Now, the reason I take you through that uh, story, and also let me, let me tell you this too, is that for holidays, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of extra cash or anything, but we, one year I got really bold and outrageous and bought a 19-foot boat called Investigator, which is just like about that long, just about from here to the, 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 the pulpit. And uh, I said, let's go out for a holiday on Pitwater on this little boat. Five of us, five, two parents this long, about the length of half the boat, and three kids, Beck being the eldest, she was a bit too long for the cabin, so we stuck her out in the cockpit. Uh, so her feet had to go up over the petrol tank, and there was a little dodgy, the motor on the, the outboard motor would send shocks because it was connected to a boat. This is uh, if you've got any water in, the, in, the, uh, in that area, especially if you had cuts and things. And, but we, we went out there and we thought, oh, we might last three days. We went through seven days. We said, should we stay out? And they're yeah. We were out there for like two weeks on this thing. You'd think we'd be pulling each other's hair out, but, you know, Christ was there. And we were having this, seeing the fog come up in the morning, having such a blast. The reason I'm saying all this is that I know we all have the house of our dreams. We have the holidays of our dreams. But you might be in a Tudor mansion on an acreage with free-roaming deer and giraffes and have a three spas and, a, and you can be miserable. And yet you can be in some of these little houses where it takes three steps, four or five steps to get from front to back or trying to mow the lawn with a goat and trying to be having a holiday on a 19 feet where everybody's legs are all over each other. And in Christ, you can be having a blast. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. If you abide in Jesus, He becomes your dream home. And the most beautiful thing about that is that you don't have to go anywhere to get that happening. He's with you all the time. He's your dream home, people. He who abides in the secret place will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. And I've found that that is an awesome, awesome thing to do, to devote myself to making sure I'm living in Christ. You know, when I first started our church here, we, we, we began with friends and everything. And within a year or so, it, unusual things started happening. Well, even earlier than that, six months or so, I started getting asked to go speak at places. And I would say, okay, I'll come. And, and then 
they involve going overseas or flying around Australia. And then I'd go and get on a plane and uh, I'd do this, you know, this preaching. And then sometimes it involved going away for more than a week. And it just became part of the call. But I did not enjoy it at first. I was really against People ask me, what's the best flight you have in the world? I'd say the one home. The one that gets me home, baby. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> you know, because I guess people think you're on a holiday or something or, you know, on, it's, there's a lot of romance and waiting and queues for five hours or something, uh, getting searched every three seconds on security te- checks. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, there's nothing, the romance evaporates pretty quickly. But anyway, uh, I found myself coming home and I would pretty well f- go straight to bed. Didn't matter what time of day it was. I just wanted to get between my own clean sheets in my own bed and go to sleep. And embarrassingly, but because you're friends, I'll let you know about it. I, I would cry sometimes. I'd go, and, and the Lord came to me. And you'd think he'd be kind of empathetic. No such luck, baby. I mean, I know he loves you, but he doesn't love me that much. And, uh, well, he does, you know, but he says, he rebuked me. He says, what are you doing? He says, I've called you to do this. And you're complaining and grizzling about it, you know. And he said, if you do this, I will bless you and you will bless others. That's simple. So I just got my attitude straightened out. I said, I will never complain about this again, Lord. And I will love doing what I do. And, you know, I can be at 3 a.m. in the morning because I canceled flights, wandering around some corridor at an airport, waiting for the, you know, the thing to come up and you're ready to go Missing flights or whatever. I've, I've been wandering around Kiev airport at four in the morning because bags got lost. That's why I do carry on only now. Just, and I got to preach in like three hours and you, and you think, you know, like, who needs this? Like, it, unbelievable. I'm trying to buy suits from midnight operators to, to wear something the next day because I haven't got any clothes. Not that I fly naked, but I, uh, I mean... <laughs> For, for, oh, I mean, it's like, so, but you know, when I said, yes, Lord, when I walk into an airport, I think this is my home. I live here. This is part of my home because I can feel Christ all around me. I feel the anointing on me and I'm walking in Jesus. I'm not walking in some, and you could be in, in your dream holiday or in your dream home, but if you're not in him, you're not going to be in any dream at all other than a nightmare. And the thing is that God has called us to abide in Jesus. And the beautiful thing about that is that you can do that all day long anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait until you get somewhere to get happy. You can get happy right here, right now, because you're in the Son of God, this Lord of the universe, the King of heaven. You are here right now with Christ. Come on. Let the Lord know that you appreciate that. That's how we're doing it. You know, uh, to build this dream life in Christ and to keep yourself, what Mark said before was profound. It's one thing to get married. We need to keep married. And that involves a lot more than just what you did for your wedding day. It involves a lot tougher stuff, a lot tougher decisions, and, and ones that force us to grow up and accept a lot of growing up stuff that we needed to leave. And so once we've actually uh, gotten a hold of the idea of abiding or meeting and abiding in Christ, it takes some decisions. And the person who teaches us, I think, the best in the Bible about building ourselves to be a temple 
for the Lord. This is God's dream home. You are God's dream home. You are his address. But you're not the house of his means. He has paid an extraordinary price for your body, for your life. Your body belongs to the Lord. He's bought it. He's purchased it so that it would be a temple that's filled with the presence and the power of Christ, that you can be a portable God unit, a mobile Christ pouring out on the world person. And so being God's dream home, how do I keep that presence in my life? Nehemiah, when he came to a city that had been damaged, destroyed, the first thing he did was build walls, creating boundaries so that you don't do that and you keep yourself in here, prevents you from being vulnerable to attacks from the enemy, removes you from positions where you're going to get unnecessary pressure on your morals, on your mind, on your life. So you're walking in a path that's got walls. And that's not restriction, that's release. Constraint increases creativity in anybody's life. And you'll find greater life comes out of clearer focus than anything else. The next thing was foundations. Just to dig up all the stuff that you've built your life on and say, I'm gonna put Christ in Hebrews 6, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the ability to say, I'm sorry. You're gonna need it a thousand times between here and heaven. And if we haven't got that capacity, we could lose just everything because we just couldn't say, I'm sorry. I blew it. And with that comes the ability to say, I forgive you. That's just foundational. There's a lot of those. Faith to being a positive person. Not letting yourself become unconfident and lose that positive edge that Christ brings. Getting that, that's what Christian essentials are so powerful for. That's why we have it. It's not just to get you along to some classes. So you, we give you a foundation for your best life. Incredible life. And then, and then the next thing they built was the temple. Walls Foundation Temple. They made sure that the temple was restored. Worship was restored on a regular basis. They'd be able to bring offerings to God. In all your priorities, put the house of God at the top. Get that temple worship. The place of glorifying God. Hearing the word of God. Fellowshipping with believers. Number one position. If anything competes with it, it comes second. It's got to be something that matters to us. And the last thing was their own homes. Once they got all these basics in their life, they found that they were able to build beautiful houses that they were able to keep. They didn't get destroyed through breakups and other things that were going to happen in their lives. And let me tell you, as, a, as your pastor, I've seen people who, will, who just, just will not attend to those foundations and those walls and find themselves in, in trouble. And it's such a sad thing. And I'm saying to you here today, your dream home is Jesus himself. No matter if you never get what you'd love to have. The thing that you need to love to have above every other thing is Christ. And if you're living in Him, you're going to be living your greatest life ever without any shadow of a doubt in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap off. C3 Church is a vibrant, contemporary community of people who want to know Jesus more and be equipped to live their best life. We have over 300 churches around the world waiting to welcome you. So find your nearest C3 at c3churchglobal.com. C3 
College is a creative arts and Bible college based at C3 Church, Oxford Falls, on the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. Wherever you're at in life, we're confident that our creative arts, leadership and ministry, or online stream will equip you for your calling. Jump online to c3college.com to find out more. C3 College, for creatives, for leaders, for believers. Thanks for listening. We are always encouraged to hear the stories of great decisions that you have made and the great things that God is doing in your life. So if you have a story to share or if you have a prayer request, please email us at podcast at myc3church.net.